Blog Talk Radio. Oh, mama, I'm in fear for my life from the long arm of the Lord. Got miles to go before we sleep. Lawman is putting into my running, and I'm so far from my. We will not go gently. We're going to unleash hell here in December. Oh, mama, I can hear you crying. You're so scared and all alone. Hey, somebody fix this guy's buckle. Hey, 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 coming down from the gallows and I don't have very I believe it was 37 years ago when two wise men from New Jersey said these words, celebrate good times, come on, there's a party going on right here. Yes, that was J.T. Taylor and Robert Cool Bell. You might know them as Cool and the Gang. And I got to tell you, that's how I'm feeling tonight, my friends, after, just a day after the Pittsburgh Steelers got off the schneid. A 41-17 beating of the Atlanta Falcons at home, Heinz Field, in week five. It's something they really needed. They are now 2-1 two, two and one in the early goings of the 2018 season. And I'll tell you what, lots of yahoos and celebrations and da 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 yahoo! Or come on! Something like that. <laughs> Welcome to the Steeler Hangover, my friends. My name is Brian Anthony Davis, and the show is brought to you, as always, by www.behindthesteelcurtain.com for all your Pittsburgh Steelers news, events, everything you want to know, whether it's commentary, whether it's uh, satire. We have it right there, and it's all up to date, and you would hear it first on Behind the Steel Curtain. Once again, my friends, my name is Brian, and with me, as always, is my very good friend, Tony Depio. Tony, how are you feeling tonight, my friend? I'm feeling really good, really satisfied, Brian. Uh, it's good to be with you, as always. Uh, that was a tremendous, tremendous uh, performance all the way around yesterday. Offense, defense, special teams, everything. You can't really complain about much other than a play or two. So yeah, it was a, it was a very much needed performance and a, a, a big victory this time of year. And after all the, everything that has happened up to this point, all the drama, all the chaos, all the struggles, they're only a half a game back of where they were one year ago after five games. So I think I uh, can't complain about too much. So where were you watching the game yesterday, Tony? My apartment. Okay. And PA. And what was going through your head? Uh, during the game or before the game? Well, let's go before, during, and after. That's what I want to know from you. Uh, before the game, I kind of figured it would be a, uh, a high-scoring affair and that they would, you know, whoever won, would, like the old saying, whoever had, you know, the way defense is nowadays in the NFL, whoever had the ball last would win, that kind of thing. But as the game progressed, I was thinking, I can't believe the, the thing above all else. I, I could not believe how good the defense was. I mean, it was just tremendous. And I'm not just saying that just because they won. I'm just saying that because it was actually a tremendous performance. Given how good the Falcons offense was coming into the game, 29 points a game through four weeks and to hold them to 17 and to hold Julio Jones without a catch through three quarters, that was just amazing. And, you know, after the game, I was feeling like I am right now, happy that they were able to um, – they, they were the struggling team of the two teams yesterday in Heinz Field that was, that was able to, to, to come out of it and have some something to look forward to because, obviously, the Falcons at one and four, they're, 
they're not done, but they're pretty close, and the Steelers would have been in the same boat had they lost. So I'm looking forward to Cincinnati now, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about that later, but and seeing if they can continue the uh, the uh, the power that they have over the Bengals next week. Well, you know what? I agree with you wholeheartedly like I usually do. Um, you and I uh, were pretty much on the same page all the time. And one of these days, I I would love for us to just disagree completely. But uh, I swear we uh, – just like that, uh, that movie Summer School starring the great Mark Harmon when uh, – at the end when they were reading the grades and uh, Chainsaw's father mentioned Chainsaw and Dave and said, you know, I think these two share the same brain. And uh, <laughs> so I think sometimes we share the same brain here, Tony. Um, what a reference. You know what? I, I, I love summer school. <laughs> yeah, that was a good movie. Yeah. Forrest Whitaker was in summer school, I believe. I don't, I didn't even know that. Yeah. I knew. Uh... No, 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 I'm sorry. Not Forrest Whitaker. It was, uh, the guy that was in the program and uh, necessary roughness, uh, I Dwayne, not Dwayne Johnson. I it doesn't matter. <laughs> Kirstie Alley was now in, I have that's to look it up later. Look, get cursed, definitely Kirstie Alley. There you go, little Rebecca Howe. Yeah. Right before she became Rebecca Howe, she was in Summer School. Right, right. I I could talk about that movie all day long, and I know uh, Jeff Hartman and I have a uh, we we have a. Uh, a segment on our uh, prediction podcast, actually our uh, our preview for the upcoming games. We have this uh, we have this segment now where we're talking about sports movies and which one's better. And I would love to uh, somehow get them off course. Maybe I can get this uh, contemporary school in there as a surfing movie. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> there I will you go. Work on Jeff to see if I can get that going. But you know, speaking of Jeff, I wanted to bring up our editor Jeff Hartman and. Jeff and I are in a FanDuel league, and we've talked we've talked about how uh, one player can make or break you. And going into this game, one player from the Falcons, and then I listen to Jeff, who always talks about Jeff loves the handcuff. So I'm thinking, you know, he's right. I need to go ahead and handcuff. After winning it in week three and uh, placing third in week four, I went Jeff's Avenue, and I did the handcuff, and I completely bombed. Um, not saying that handcuffs are uh, not good, but I was for certain, Tony, that we were going to see Matt Ryan and Julio Jones just go off, and I hardly got any points from those guys. And you know what? This is my fantasy role. I'm glad I didn't get any points. I'll take ninth place for a Steeler victory. Nine out of ten? Yeah, I'll, I'll take it. Um, I was just shocked. And, you know, we're going to talk about valedictorians. We're going to talk about grades. One of my valedictorians is one that uh, no one would have ever guessed whatsoever. And it would be Joe Hayden for what he did to Julio Jones. He just he shut Julio Jones out in the first half. And Joe Hayden had an amazing game. Um, and that really set the tone for that game. You know, Artie Burns on the other side looked pretty good, too. But let's talk about grades before we get the calls. Uh, the offense, what are you thinking about the performance of the offense? Particularly, I want to focus on one guy who had a tale of two halves, one Benjamin Todd Roethlisberger. Tony, what's your assessment of number seven's play? I mean, look, it looked like uh, in the first half, like it was going to be much of what we saw last week. And, and, you know, so many, so many, uh, the second half of the Buccaneers game, just, you know, off and, and, and he couldn't connect with AB and he, and he was, you know, he seemed like he, he just like that interception he threw in, in the end zone. I, I have, that's maybe the worst pass I've ever seen him throw that worst decision anyway. And then he came out in the second half and he was efficient and he was, he was emotional after the two touchdowns to AB, so you know all that the talk was bothering him. And if you would have, if you would just tell me one stat from that game, 19 of 29 for 250 yards, nothing else, I would tell you that they were that that, that they won that game easily because that's 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 the stat of a of a, a, a winning quarterback right there because it's big plays, probably a couple of short fields, which which is exactly what happened. You know, other than 
other than the misfires in the first half in that pick, uh, you know, I thought he looked, he, you know, it wasn't his best performance, but it was definitely a, a, a winning performance. But he was almost perfect in the second half. And that's where, uh, that's what really counts because he really put it together. He really, I mean, James Conner was carrying the load for that team, which we've said this entire season, we need the run to go ahead and set up the pass. And, you know, it definitely did. They did a great job. James Conner, I mean, you're looking at 185 yards total, 110 rushing, another 75 uh, via the pass. And he just looked great. He, he just looked in command. And he was, he was making it happen where Ben wasn't. I mean, that first half, I do not have his first half stats, but I believe it's something close to nine for 19 in the first half, if I'm not mistaken. So, or eight for 19, which, which would mean that he was almost perfect in the, uh, in the second half. Actually, he couldn't be eight for 19. So he might've been like, 10 of 19 and finished 19 of 29. So he was almost perfect in the second half. Um, that's something I would like to put together. But, uh, you know, Ben really regrouped at halftime, and that's what winners do. And for everybody, I was reading the threads, Tony. Everybody was down on Ben to the point. Yeah, I was down on Ben. I mean, not saying that the window's shut and he's he's done. But, I, uh, you know, I I read some things like regression, I even wrote that it looks like he's decomposing at this point. And uh, he, he just, he looked like he made a great play. That was way over his head. But yeah. you know, Ben stuck with it. Ben found Antonio Brown. He found Juju. He only targeted him four times. But Juju cut all four balls. So there, it's a dangerous offense. Um Really, they can score at will when they have it together, and they definitely had it together, especially in that second half. I realized that uh, seven of those points were via the defense, but thought they looked pretty good. So let's throw out a grade to the offense, Tony. You have I'm, the red pen. You are the teacher. I'm going to give it an A because uh, I mean. It, they, they were good in all phases. I mean, you know, 110 yard, 131 yards rushing, all told, and uh, what what had been have two like we said 250 yards passing, and he wasn't sacked all game, and they were nine of 12 on third down. And I thought the most important drive that they had all game was the first drive of the third quarter, when uh, well I thought probably the most important drive of the defense too when they stopped the Falcons after you know 13-10 coming into second or the third quarter. So uh, you know to come to come out there and and, and was it eighty an eighty five yard drive, and and, and reestablish a two score lead and then the, the second touchdown of the of the game I'm going backwards but the second touchdown of the game ninety seven yard drive, you know and then they responded to the Falcons late touchdown by when 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 uh, Ben hit AB on a forty seven yard bomb I mean that was that was the perfect right there because the Falcons could have very easily gotten right back into that game had the, the Steelers gone three and out. Instead, they just put they, – they, they, what's the old saying? They put their, uh, they put their uh, foot on their neck and, and, and they, uh, they stomped them out. They put the final nail on the coffin right there. So I, I, give, I give the offense an A. I got to throw the minus on there just because of Ben's first half performance um, because it could have gone a completely different way, especially with that interception. Uh, that just knocks it down to me. But we're we're in the same arena. Um, pretty good. You know, if we have to go valedictorian of the offense, we can look a lot of different ways. First, let's go ahead and do the honor roll. I'm going to put the offensive line on the honor roll. I want to go ahead and put second half Ben on the honor roll. You know, let's put the receivers, Juju, and let's put AB on there. And I'm going to have to throw out my valedictorian of the offense as one James Conner. I don't think I'm missing there. You're probably going to agree with me on that, aren't you? Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely for the valedictorian, I, you know, you maybe – I can't think of anybody because A.B. is A.B. When, when he's – you know, he's like we always talk about, we take it for granted, six catches, 101 yards, and two touchdowns. Oh, well, it's another game for him. But, you know, James Conner, for you know the spotlight he's under with everything going on with Le'Veon Bell and 
people were beginning to question his, uh, you know, whether or not he could be a number one back. And he, you know, whether he's he's on Bell or not, it really doesn't matter at this point. Can he be a number one back for the Steelers the, until Bell comes back, or even the rest of the year? And I think he showed yesterday that he's more than capable. I mean, he's he, in the best shape of his life, and he was no slouch in college. I mean, it wasn't like he was a seventh round pick. I mean, this guy, he was a highly decorated ACC player and he was a third round draft choice. So he's definitely capable of it. And he showed yesterday that he, if, if he's involved in the offense, the offense can, can, can work really well and be very, just as explosive as it, as it was with Le'Veon Bell. And actually, uh, when you talk about him being a third round, he's a late third round draft pick because he was a compensatory pick too. Um, a lot of people don't, don't remember that Cam Sutton was picked in the third round before James Conner. So uh, that's something interesting there. He almost made less until the fourth round, um, if you think about it there. Now let's go to the detention room. Look, there's really not many. Uh, that's going to be an empty classroom. Except for i got to put first half Ben on there. And the reason, I look, I'm a big, you know, I'm a Ben guy, Tony. You've known me for a long time now. Love this guy. I drinks the Kool-Aid when it comes to Big Ben. Um, But here's the thing. That first half was so bad. And the fact that Antonio Brown was, uh, had six catches from 13 targets. So, you know, those seven targets, none of those were the fault of Antonio Brown. That's really, I mean, he was just off. He was still forcing the ball into Antonio. I know, uh, I don't know uh, what all that is, whether it's the uh, fact because of the friction, um, because of the comments from recent weeks, I can't throw it to myself. Is he intentionally forcing it in? I didn't know. But you know what? That all go away for me with that second-half performance. But, you know, I've got to be fair. I've got to put somebody in the detention room. And uh, tail of two halves. First, first half, Ben goes to detention. Second half, Ben goes the honor roll and that's uh I'll leave it at that. Let's go over to the defense now. What a game on defense. It's like who are these guys? I I was shocked. I mean now there's there's a couple drives where you're like, uh, oh, here we go again. But for the most part, they shut these guys down. And they looked great. We already talked about Joe Hayden. Artie Burns uh I was disappointed that Artie didn't come up with an interception, but Artie looked good. But if we're going to go ahead and, and hand out valedictorian to the defense, who would we give that to? Uh, it would be easy to say T.J. Watt because he had a tremendous game. He's probably going to be the maybe the defensive player of the, of the week. But, I mean, what Joe Hayden did with, with Julio Jones, I mean, the guy's just tremendous. Somebody tweeted during the game that he's their MVP right now through five games, and I, it's hard to argue. You know, I mean, we're not, and, and and these other guys you mentioned, Artie Burns had had a pretty decent game too, and and Ed, Ed, Edmonds was active, and 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 Sean Davis. I mean, they're they're uh, safeties, but you know, like the secondary, all, you know, all works together. And if if I'm any of those guys, I'm watching tape of Joe Hayden every day to, to, just to get better, because this is a, a four or five guy covering a four or three guy, and he shut him down. So it's not all about speed; it's about technique. And and, uh, and and knowing your your assignments and and just just guts and and he has it all. He's just a, he's just a great guy, great teammate, and and he's my valedictorian, Joe Hayden. You know what? In my published grades, I went with just co valedictorians, and I went TJ and James Connor. Um, I didn't break it down; I just for the entire team. Joe Hayden was definitely on my honor roll, but when I was preparing for the show. And I was thinking about it more and more all day long. I'm thinking exactly what you were. You know, Joe Hayden made that happen by shutting down Julio Jones. Because, you know, the broadcast team kept on saying, oh, he has nothing. He has nothing. I'm like, we're shutting the screen. Like, stop it. I mean, he's going to break out. (laughs) He's going to have an amazing second half. Just stop jinxing it. And uh, here it really didn't happen. I mean, he was – the catches he made were ho-hum, you know. They weren't that big of a deal. But – and that's how – I mean, I think a lot of Julio Jones um, 
you know, when I think of the best receivers in the league, I thought they were on that field yesterday. A.B., Julio Jones. And A.B. was the uh, was definitely the better receiver in yesterday's game. Um, so I agree with you on the valedictorian. A lot could be said about about uh, T.J. Watt as well. Um, Cam Hayward would get consideration. So let's put T.J., let's put Cam on the honor roll. We can't forget about the performance of L.J. Ford. Tony, I went in thinking that why isn't Matthew Thomas out there? What are they doing with L.J.? And L.J. played with heart. I mean, he channeled his inner Jerry Olsavsky out there, and and he played like a hero yesterday. I mean, I love the entire secondary as well. And I'm thinking, when you were talking about the value of Joe Hayden, just the old savvy veteran of what he brings as a leader and a coach on the field, I'm thinking, man, if they could get Morgan Burnett healthy and out there, you have two coaches, two leaders out there, and without egos, and these guys don't have egos, that's going to be yeah. a really strong team. And I'm firm. You know, I, I talk about I went to the Kansas City game. I was down in the end zone. I was down low, so I had a great view of everything. Um, and, you know, thinking that entire time that if Joe Heaton's in that game, it could be a different game. And I actually, I mean, you know, we we can't say. We don't know, but unless we can get a DeLorean and, and make him healthy and find some way to get Joe Hayden in there. But uh, I, I kind of think they would have won that game. They would have found a way to win that game, and they would have at least shut him down one time or twice, just just enough to, uh, to even out that score. So with that being said, you know, the defense, I think you give the offense of it an A. I could actually hang in A, not an A plus, but I can hang an A on the on the defense for that performance. It wasn't beautiful. It wasn't it wasn't mistake free, but signs of I I agree absolutely. Uh, an A is what I would give it to. I mean, we've talked about this in the past. When this defense is at its best, this current defense of the last couple of years is when it's aggressive, when it's getting after the quarterback, and you can't let these veteran quarterbacks and these highly decorated quarterbacks like a Matt Ryan or a Joe Flacco uh, sit back there in the pocket. You have to get after them. And and and, and a couple of times throughout the broadcast yesterday, the the, uh, the broadcasters mentioned, they quoted Tomlin as saying, you know, through four weeks we found our our identity and we think it's to be aggressive and, and to get after the quarterback on defense. And, and that's what they did yesterday. They had, what, 14 – pressures or hits and six sacks and you know we talked about the the secondary and, and what it did and and you know that's that's how you have to keep doing that moving forward you have to keep putting the defense in the best position to win and or to be successful and and being aggressive is this is, is this unit's calling card and and i'm just glad i just hope that they they keep doing this each and every week have you seen the nfl leaders in sacks i have have you seen that list okay who is leading the league as a team in sacks with 19 steelers your pittsburgh steelers now yes you might have thought i was going a different direction who are your nfl leaders co-leaders in sacks individually i'm going to say the watt brothers it is the Watt brothers at six. There, I mean, talk about uh, talk about the great defensive DNA. And you know, granted, they have another brother in the league, Derek, that uh, doesn't get credit because he's a fullback in Los Angeles for the Chargers. But I have a feeling, and I don't see a lot of Chargers games, but I have a feeling that he's a Rosie Nix kind of guy that just plays with major intensity too. There's there's something going on with the Watts, and I tell you what, that, that's that's something beautiful to see. I mean, I would love to see them go into week 17, you know, tied for the sack lead. That that would be just absolutely amazing if you ask me. So we looked at offense. We looked at defense, you know, real quick. And we usually gloss over special teams. Um, 
that was the best special teams performance I have seen from the Pittsburgh Steelers all year long, Tony. Um, you know, I can actually give them an A as well. Um, I thought Danny Smith's crew, and you know I'm usually down on Danny Smith, um, I thought they played inspired. Um, I'm not loving the uh, the B&B, the uh, bed and breakfast guys, who I like to call Barry and Boswell. Barry, Barry punted better. He's still giving the booze. But he actually, uh, the Falcons did not start a drive past their own 25-yard line yesterday. So that has a lot to do with the punting. So I'll I'll give Jordan Barry some credit there. Um, that has a lot to do with the offense driving the ball. And uh, I thought Barry had a better game. So I will actually do something that uh, is crazy and actually put Jordan Barry on the honor roll. I can't do the same with Boswell because three missed extra points now. Come on, that's getting ridiculous. You just can't have that. Um, I don't know what's going on. Some people brought up the fact that it could be the fact that Barry's holding for him and not Landry Jones, and uh, maybe just bring back Landry Jones as a holder. I mean, if that would get this guy guy's head straight, I, I'd spend a roster spot on it. At this point, I know that I, sounds I, insane, but I I would. I think uh, I think Barry was the holder last year. I don't I don't think it was I don't think it was Landry Jones because I've always wondered why backup quarterbacks don't don't hold in the NFL because if something goes wrong and you have a punter with the football running around. So I think it was Jordan Barry last year. Like if you remember that that uh, that botched uh, or that blocked field goal in, in Chicago, it was Barry and um, Vance McDonald who were chasing the guy down the field. So I think it was I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know yeah. You know what? His you Barry was correct, the one who was, I stand corrected. Yes, I don't know So scratch everything I just said about Landry Jones. Um <laughs> yeah, that's that's correct. So I mean there there's something going on in uh Mr. Boswell's head and you know, heaven forbid we go back to the days of Merry Christmas signs. Um with old <laughs> Chris Fa- Chris uh, Brown from the year 2000 and one. And I was at the, uh, I was at the infamous Baltimore game where he missed, uh, he missed so many and uh, they they lost that game. And uh, I remember the whole crowd just wanted to lynch him right there. It was, um, (laughs) he didn't last throughout the rest of the season, but the signs came out of that the very next week. The Christmas, Merry Christmas signs came out, and uh, they were humorous. I just don't want a reprisal of that. I want my man, Chris Boswell, to get back because, I mean, he's a Pro Bowl kicker, and he's not the kind of guy that takes the money and just tanks. So he's a guy of good character from what I understand. I think he's having some kind of struggle right now. But would you agree that, the other extra point and the other kick weren't right down the middle. I mean, they were, some of them were, were scary. Yeah. Most of them have been this year. They, you know, that, that was, to me, that was always his trademark. And you know, I've said this before, he was just always with his uh, extra points in his field goals. He was always pretty much straight down the middle. I mean, there was, there was very little doubt as to whether or not it was good. And now it's, 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 he's pushing everything to the right. And I, I guess he's compensating, uh, like we said before, for, for pushing the, the missed field goal in Cleveland to the left. It has to be what it is. That's the only thing I can think of because every, every extra point is missed to the right, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. So I hope he gets it cleared up because so it's going to cost him a game sooner or later. It, it's cost them two so far. Um, it cost them the Cleveland game. Even though they didn't lose it, it still cost them the win. And right now, the way this division's going, yeah, that tie could kill them. Um, and, you know, it may have that four points in the Kansas City game. I mean, they didn't lose by four points, but it it would have changed a lot of things if they would have had those four points back. Um so that could have went a different way too. But I mean, if, if, if and butts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. You know that. Um, so with that being said, have to put Chris Boswell in detention, but the honor roll 
on special teams. It's really nice. I'll put Jordan Berry in there. I've got to give props to Brian Allen. He started the week on the practice squad, and he had two huge plays in on special teams. And I thought Brian was absolutely amazing. Number 29 came in, played tremendous on special teams. And you're talking about special teams that did not have Darius Hayward Bay. They, yeah. Excuse me, Darius Hayward Bay. And uh, so – Huge. And what can you say about Rosie Nix? That guy is just a stud. He's a special team stud. He's a blocking stud as a fullback. Gotta love Rosie Nix. So those are our detention dwellers. Those are more important. That's our honor roll for all three. You know, so much more in honor roll than there was in detention, and we'll love to see it, and we need to see that going forward. But you know what, Tony? The the whole point of the hangover is talking to the fans and we got to go to the phones right now and talk to one of our number one fans. We are going to New Jersey and we're going to talk to our good friend, Vito. Vito, you've been holding a long time. Thanks my friend. Gentlemen, good evening. How are you? Hey Vito. Very good. You... I, I, yeah. Tone was set in that game early when we scored and then we scored again and we didn't let them score. And I think, beating them was a great test because, you know, to me, and I've heard this said in the beginning of the season by Mike Francesa, talk host, he said that the Atlanta Falcons are one of the most complete teams, and they really are. Think about their receiving core. They have that guy Ridley, who's young. They have Mohamed Sanu. They have Julio Jones, and they have two potent running backs. Think about that. So this is not a slouch offense by any stretch of the imagination, and I think they've put up over 30-somewhat points in the last few games that they've lost, and they just barely, barely lost to the Bengals last week, and I think they just barely lost the week before, but they were good for at least 30 points. So for our defense, we shut them down and put all kinds of pressure on Matt Ryan was huge. I also think this team never got over losing the Super Bowl to the Patriots because, man, the way they came out in that game in the first half, being up over 21 points, and then in the second half allowing New England to come back and beat them, seems like they never got over that game. They really haven't. And uh, they're still a great team. So for me, I thought for us to be able to come out and, and beat them and do the things we did was just a huge plus, and hopefully that momentum carries into next week's game against the Bengals. But uh, – we just had this conversation a week ago. I said, you guys be grateful and appreciative. You know, if the window's closing, let's appreciate every game we have because we don't know how many years are going to be left with all these guys together. But uh, who knows what, what went on behind closed doors last week to this week that made the defense play that much better than they did. But I think maybe the players got tired of hearing that they're bad and that they stink and that they're not good and that things are falling apart. And maybe they said, you know what, it's time for us to step it up. We have jobs to do. We get paid to do it. Let's do it. So it was a great performance. The only thing that bothered me yesterday was when Ben tried to force the ball into the end zone right before the half when he made that lopsided throw and three receivers, three three uh, defenders were on Brown. I mean, I just don't know why he even did that. What if they would have just settled for a few goal there? It would have been fine. But uh, that's my two cents. What are your thoughts? I agree with you completely, Vito. I mean, I am grateful for this team. I was worried about Ben in the first half, and then he completely redeemed himself. But that pass right going in the halftime, Tony said it earlier in the show. And, you know, to start off, that might be the ugliest Ben pass we have ever seen. I don't know what he was doing there. I think it was frustration. But one thing that uh, you brought up, you didn't say the word, but you basically brought up pride. And this team has pride in, in themselves, and they probably were tired of losing. And um, so, you know, pride is a powerful thing when you use it the right way. And they channeled them. They really had to, you know, get the intestinal fortitude going and dig down deep after – because that was probably one of the more embarrassing losses in the uh, recent history of that team with these players. You know, that was a really bad loss. But you hit the nail on the head when you talked about how great that offense is because it's a fantastic offense. And they shut them down. And they they made Lions look like lambs. And that's exactly what they did with that team. 
And for them to do that shocked me. I did not expect that. I thought, and they said this at the beginning, it seemed like the first, the first team to get one stop on defense was going to win the game. And Pittsburgh had the, the, one, the first stop on defense, and they kept on getting them. And I was like, how are they doing this? I had no clue whatsoever, but they really dug down deep. But if I could get back to Ben real quick, you know, I think those hookups with Antonio Brown in the second half meant a lot. Those are going to be pivotal plays for their season, especially the big one, down that, that long ball down the field um, he, where uh, he blew past the coverage, Ray, he blew past the coverage. It was one of the prettiest plays that I've ever seen those two as far as hooking up. So we had one of the ugliest and we had one of the prettiest Ben plays. And I tell you what, I think going forward, that is going to be the play that we look back on if this team makes the playoffs and goes further as the turning point in this season. I could see it being that one yesterday. Tony, what do you think? I agree. I mean, uh, as far as the, the, uh, the play of the defense. I mean, people, you know, you, you know people. Say, well, they did what they were supposed to do. They beat up on a team that was, was uh, uh, reeling, and you know, maybe the defense, the Falcons' defense, was compromised by injury. But there was no, and Vito mentioned this. There was no compromise on on the offense. I mean, they were, they were, they are a, a, a highly functional offense, and to shut them down the way they did, I think that was a big statement, and it's a big confidence boost for everybody on that side of the ball. As far as uh, uh, ben and AB, I, I think you know the fact that, and I mentioned this earlier, uh, you know Ben getting so emotional after connecting with, with him twice. I, I think that speaks volumes, and, and, and the fact that they came together on the sideline and celebrated the way they did. I mean, it's important to the two of them. It's obviously important to the team that they find their their old chemistry because it's only going to make them better, and it's only going to make the offense better. And 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 you're right, Brian. That that play that they they had, you know, they made it 34-17. That bomb, that was that was pretty. And and I I was particularly glad to see it because it seemed like they had no deep passing game the entire year. You know, they weren't really testing teams, or they, they didn't have the ability to test teams downfield for whatever reason. And I think that play is gonna is gonna uh, really give them as, as weird as it is to say for the two of them. Uh, a big confidence boost moving forward. Hey, sometimes you need it going forward as a uh, as veterans as well. Sometimes you need to find that old magic, and they really did. You know, for me, it was the equivalent of a couple that's been married 25 years and and getting to go away on a vacation and uh, just finding that uh, finding their youth. And uh, rediscovering that love, and as crazy as the horny and lifetime original movie as that sounds, that's what it felt like to me. But when they, when he unleashed that ball, and Antonio pulled it in, I felt for the first time in the 2018 season, I felt alive again. As far as like, okay, we're back. You know, you just wanted to scream out, we're back, baby! You know, like George Costanza style. It just <laughs> felt like that, and it felt really good. And so I tell you what, going forward, I mean, we still have a lot to talk about. Is this an aberration? Is it going to be the roller coaster still? Or are they on the elevator now? And we'll get to that in just a little bit. But, uh, Vito, thank you so much. Um, thanks for calming us down last week and for keeping us pumped up. This week, we appreciate you. Any given, any given Sunday, right? Look what happens when you look around the league. Look at the Ravens and the Browns. Look at the Bills and the uh, Titans. I mean, just look around the league. You just don't know who's going to beat who, right? Look at the Jaguars. They looked awful. And this is a team that beat us twice, right? So everybody's beatable. You know, I, I heard this over and over, and I never forgot this. The team that usually wins the game is not the better team. It's the team that plays closest to the way they practice. So a lot of times you could outwork anybody and you could outplay anybody if you just focused and determined to win. Better team doesn't always win. It's the team that just plays better that day. So everybody's got a chance any given Sunday. Have a great night. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. We'll see you. The Hall of Fame caller, Vito Mankins from New Jersey. Love it. I love his insight. And, hey, I'm going to stay in the state of New Jersey. 
Here's another guy that I love his insight as well, Tony. You know him. You love him. It's Ken. Hey, guys. What's up? How you doing? <laughs> I'm glad I finally memorized <laughs> your number here. <laughs> yeah, I would have hated for that to be like, hey, no, it's uh, <laughs> Ken, that? Ken? <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, it's John from uh, Nantucket. Great. Yeah, exactly. What's up, man? Oh, man, it, it definitely feels good, um, you know, to, to be calling up after a win like this. So th- this is why this win was so important. Like, it, it wasn't a divisional win, but they – part of the Steelers' identity is dominating at home, the crowd getting into it renegade playing like just really being emotional and, and just like having that home field advantage i think it was bill Belichick. even bill belichick said last last year before um our game you know with them he said you, you, when you're going into pittsburgh you can't allow the crowd to get into it because it's they're an extension of the team and like that's part of their identity and they got that ripped out from not just the first Jaguars game, but the second one in the playoffs. And they've been in shock ever since. And they they got it ripped out again with the Chiefs and then with the Ravens. So they really needed to exercise those demons, not just about playing at home, but I think it was really about their identity of who they are. This was the first game that it kind of felt like, all right, we're back to who we are. We're back, like, we're back at square one. So that's why it was really important. Um, I thought that um, played well. Ben played well, um, you know, minus that crazy throw. But they just, you know, they were balanced, and it's also it also felt like, you know, after the first touchdown, they went up. It's like, all right, finally, we can relax. We don't have to hold our breath. And once the defense made a stop on the on the next drive, then it was like, oh, okay, so now we this is different. So. It was the first evidence of this year where things were just, like, kind of different. And, um, you know, hopefully they can take that and just start with a clean slate and just play football without having all that other stuff. But I really think they just needed to exercise those home demons of them getting their ass kicked at home. You know what? I That's, that's huge. And I agree with you completely there. I mean, yeah. They needed to exercise those demons. That's the perfect way to way to say it. Let me ask you this, Ken. When at that when they hit the big bomb, that big play to Antonio Brown. I mean, everyone thought it was over at that point, and it was. But did you feel like the season started anew there, or am I just crazy? Oh, sorry. Can you hear me? Yeah, sorry. Oh yeah. So no, I, I, def, I definitely feel like that was it, like because that was the one that we haven't seen yet. We didn't see that one yet, and you, you kind of seen the emotion of the first one when um, when AB ran the out and you know he got him in the end zone. But that one, it was the perfect pass. It was accurate. It, it looked like that's their chemistry because they really have like the best chemistry of any tandem in the league, and that was just it. It was like peanut butter and jelly, you know. So when that happens, like, all things are well. Like, everything is right and the way it was supposed to be. And that's kind of, you know, what everything looked like yesterday. So for them, I think that, you know, even the defense, it just felt like this is what the potential of the defense is. That's why you have all of these athletic people, athletic players, and with the proper coaching, that's what it should look like. You know, and even giving up that long play to Sanu, all right, but it was still just 17 points. So that's what it should be. And um, But, yeah, it definitely felt like the season started anew when um, when they hooked up. It's like, oh, this is, this is what I'm used to seeing. This is what we were all excited about. So let me ask you this. Uh, and, Tony, get ready. You're next on this, too. I want to hear your thoughts. Roller coaster? Or elevator going forward? Elevator going up or up and down? What happens going forward, Ken? You know, I, I think I think the roller coaster is over. I really do. Um, that first four weeks was the roller coaster. This is an elevator. And not to say that it's only going to always be better 
than this, but I don't think we have as many as as the many downs. I don't think our our, our downs are that deep. You know, I don't I don't think they're that shallow. I think they're, you know, maybe instead of a whole half of being down, maybe it's two drives of three and out or, you know, um, six and out. Maybe it's a drive here, a drive in this quarter. But I don't think we see a quarter of just ineptitude, a half of ineptitude anymore. I think that's done. Well, I would be uh, – I can speak for Tony. I, I would be thrilled, for, thrilled with that. And, you know, I'm hoping that's the case going forward. So, Ken, as always, thank you so much. We appreciate your insight, my man. All right, guys. Thank you. Thank you. All right. You know, you know, Tony, I think we need to – one of these weeks, we just go to Jersey, you and me. We find Vito. We find Ken. And uh, we just watch the game together. What do you think? I'm all for it. I'd love that. <laughs> okay, let's, let's see if we can get Jeff to pay for a road trip there. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's stay on the phone. And I'm going to get – I'm not – this uh, 678-469, you're on the line, but don't tell me who you are yet. I'm going to guess possibly we're going to the Peach State. We're going to Georgia. Is that correct? Yes, it is, gentlemen. Happy Monday. Always a happy Monday after a Steelers win. How you doing? This is Nick from Powder Springs or Marietta, Georgia. Nick, hey, Nick. Good. I, I was hoping I, we haven't heard from you in a couple of weeks. So, good. I'm Not since the Browns week. Just, yeah. You know, down here on the weekends, you try to stay busy. Sometimes you got beautiful weekends with the uh, apple picking and pumpkin festivals and stuff like that. So that's yeah, we're staying busy with the family, but not missing a Steelers game. Most importantly, um, but you know what, guys? It's a, it's refreshing compared to that week one tie. All I gotta say is that the consistency is what four quarters. This game, these guys played four quarters finally, and um, you know, it just goes to show that a lot of the Steelers fans and a lot of people contribute to the um, to the. Uh, website there i mean we we know what we got and it's just, it's just a shame that they haven't put it together you know um i guess that's what's most impressive about that game yesterday um and uh, you know what here's another thing have you guys taken a look you know the one thing is is you know sometimes certain things get said in the media and it's just everybody repeats it and not many people will take the time actually to see if that statement is true. And the, and the statement that I'll make is that you probably have heard the national writers, even Pittsburgh writers keep saying is that, well, Connor is no bell. And I'm not even a huge Connor fan. I wasn't even happy when they actually drafted him. I thought they drafted him too early. But when you actually look at the first, like, 20 games, because Connor's going into his 20th game this next week, um, it's kind of hard to compare him because Bell started out as they really tried to split him with, if you remember, Jonathan Dwyer and Felix Jones. So we kind of had three running backs at that time getting different carries and such. But, um, you yep. know, obviously year two, Bell, you know, midseason season, and next year, of course, Bell was a full-time starter. But Connor didn't even get a chance last year because he got, got one of the best running backs in football, you know. So, But if you do look at the first games, you know, Connor is not bad. He catches more. He has a higher average uh, per reception. He's he's having he's going to put up more touchdowns if this was a whole season, and his yards per carry is very comparable. So everybody and I'm not going to I'm not going to go out and sound like some loony guy saying uh, oh you know in two years we'll be looking at Connor as you know a top three back in the league. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that he is much better than just average, and I think people are selling him short. So just wondering what you guys thought. Well, you know what i i have uh, I have a good buddy, and I'm going to actually mention his name, my buddy Barrett Stable. He was talking to me about this, and uh, he uh, he wanted to do some work, and he put together some stats on this very thing. So I went to my texts from last Tuesday, and uh, this is what he came up with: Bell in 2017, 321 carries in 15 games, averages to 21.4 carries per game. Average yards per carry, four. Now, if you go ahead and look at Connor, and four games this year, has 63 carries, averages to 15.75 per game. Average yards Mm -hmm. per carry, 3.7. So they're actually pretty close. 
Um, if you look at the catches, now this is where where you'll be surprised here. 85 catches in 15 games for Bell last year, averages to 5.7 per game. Average yards per catch, 7.7. Average yards per catch over four games, um, like I said, not including yesterday, um, 9.1. And, uh, yeah, he's actually yeah, so he's far, high. He's games, actually ten. He Eighteen catches. So yeah. you know, Connor's pretty close. Yeah. As, as I didn't look at that. That's interesting. It's interesting you brought that up. I didn't look at last. I wasn't comparing because I thought that's an unfair comparison trying to do a guy who's you know four or five years in the league already established uh, versus I was just trying to look at different points in their career. But if you look at the points at their career, you know. You got to be thrilled with Connor. He's at least got the same production, if not in a couple areas, better than Bell. Tony, where do you compare Bell and Connor um, based on those stats and just based on your eye test? Well, that's what I was going to say. Connor, I mean, it's hard to compare the two because Connor's really only had five games to to show what he, what he's capable of. But I mean, he certainly passed the eye test as far as. I mean, when you see when you see the moves, when you see him breaking tackles, when you see the, him explode through the holes, you know, he, 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 I'm not saying he's going to be Le'Veon Bell, but then again, we don't know that yet. We don't know what he's going to be because because he he's so early into it in, into his career. And you know, what do you have like 30 carries last year, if that? So I mean, it, it's hard to it's hard to judge him next to Bell, but all I know is through this year, I mean. You know, we, we you know I, I wrote about this earlier. Um, the two games where they've where they've controlled the game for, for the the majority of the game, he's looked like a, a he's looked really good. The, the, the three games where he's he hasn't looked that that good are games where the Steelers were you know behind or their offense wasn't going to the run. They were they were just trying to pass pass pass, and and he's shown that he can be a workhorse, and and. I think at this point it, it 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 would be it would be foolish to, to sell him short. I mean, you just don't know what you have with him yet until, and I think I think we're going to find out if, if not this year, you know, if when Bell comes back, we're definitely going to find out next year because I think he's going to be he's going to be given every shot to be the number one back, and I think he's going to he's going to he's going to uh, prove a lot of people wrong. Well, Thank let me you tell you something. I I agree with all of that. Um, you know, it's hard. I will say this, James Conner has really started to pick up the blocks in the uh, in the backfield. He's really uh, protecting Ben a whole lot better than he was early in his career. That was the knock on him, but really, uh, he wasn't in there a lot. And, uh, you know, you get in there and you have to do everything on little experience. That whole year experience really helped him, and he's had a much better year as far as that. The other knock on James Conner was the fact that he can't catch the ball well. He's pretty amazing out of the backfield. He's giving you the same dynamic that you're getting with Le'Veon Bell. Um, look, I'll take both of these guys in the backfield. We might not even see that happen. Nick, Tony, I don't know if you saw this today, but something big happened in Philadelphia, and that's J.J. Out the with an ACL. So he's gone. And Philadelphia was the one team, even with Ajayi, um, been interested. So the talk all along is going to be awfully hard to trade them. Teams aren't going to give up that much for a possible rental. But Howie Roseman there in Philadelphia, still thinking, because that's not a good division right now. You have Washington, who's leading the division, and they're playing the Saints right now. Um, But Philadelphia is in the mix. And, you know, when you get in that position and you still – you're the defending champs and you still have a chance to win your division – you're going to cough up a lot more than you originally thought you would have to save your season, and they would be a perfect candidate for Le'Veon Bell right now. And I think that would make everybody happy. Um, as far as that goes, will it happen? You know, it's still a long shot, but you never know. I mean, you could see Le'Veon Bell within the next week be traded to a team like Philadelphia, and it would. I mean, it would work out for both. It would work out for everybody. I mean, like. All three parties, if you throw Bell in the mix, too. So, you know, there you have it. I mean, you never know. This story is still has a lot of miles left in it. 
if Le'Veon Bell does come back, I'm welcoming welcoming him back with open arms. Um, if he gets a chance to go to Philly or anywhere else via trade, and you get you get good return on him, I'd welcome that too. But I do know this: I'm prepared to ride the entire 2018 season with James Conner, and I have full belief that he can get it done. The big thing, I mean, people were getting frustrated with uh, you know his lack of production against Baltimore and against Kansas City, but how's the guy going to get the ball when you're down by 14, when you're down by almost 21? Um, like, they were down by 21 against Kansas City. At that point, he's an afterthought. He's hardly going to get the touches. So when you give him the touches that he got yesterday and he can control the game and you have the run setting up the pass, you're going to have success. And, you know, good teams – know that whether know that what you're going to do, but it still doesn't matter because still come and stop me. You don't have to be up. Be predictable. You'll come and beat me. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to run James Conner, stop him. And if you stop him, I'm going to throw the ball to AB, to Juju, or one of my big tight ends and try to stop him. So with that being said, you know, they have some options. But James mm-hmm. Conner, Nick – I think he's the real deal. For this so far, team. I'm happy. Hey, one last point, Brian. I, I ditto that. Two, two to three weeks ago, I was on the net posting that people, you know, stopped poo-pooing the idea we weren't going to get the Steelers without outlandish little report of a second rounder and a player. And I said, hey, you know, all it takes, all it takes is some team that thinks they're in contention. Contention. We may not agree with it, but in their minds, in their ownership or their management or a team who is a contender who's underperforming, have an injury or anything like that, and they want to shake things up. I mean, think of it from another team's point of view. The example you gave, if you're the Philly GM, you know you got a Super Bowl squad. You know you're depleted now in that position. You know you have the talent and you got a weak division. you got to go. I mean, you almost have to give up a second rounder if that opportunity provided itself because when in sports, how many times do you sit there and have an opportunity to actually do something, you know, Wentz could Wentz could blow out his leg another time and be, you know, he could be a Tim Couch for, uh, you know, not that I'm saying he would, but with injuries, you never know. So if you got the opportunity and you got a player like Bell, I think you got to, and you and it's justified. A second round to give up is justified. But my proposed trade is a third round from Philly and Clement, who's now hurt a little bit. But uh, I would take that as compensation for Bell. I'd be pretty darn happy. You know with what? that, boys, That's we'll talk good. hopefully next week. <laughs> Sounds good, my man. Nick from Marietta, thanks so much for calling, and we'll talk to you next time. Tony, you got good it. things there, my man. Yeah, I, good didn't, I had there. no idea so about I w- the... Wait, Go ahead. I, I had no idea about the injury to uh, Jai, and that, that changed a lot of my thought process regarding Bell and them uh, finding a trade. Partner, uh, trade partner. So, I mean, yeah, that, I, if I'm the Eagles, I would definitely give up a second round pick for for somebody like Bill because, you know, like like the, the, to pile on what Nick said, how often do you get a chance to, to to win two straight Super Bowls? You know, so, and that's not a great division, like you said, and and I could definitely see that happening now. So that that definitely changed a lot yeah, of what me. I was thinking about. I agree with you, but if it means a chance at another Super Bowl and a repeat, you even give up a number one if you have to. You do what you have to do to win now. They can definitely do that. And um, even if they think they could sign the guy in the future, you'd definitely give up a number one. I mean, and that's a possibility. I don't know where their cap room is, but I understand they have – they would just have to move some stuff aside, but that's not hard to do. Um, you you can move some dead weight to go ahead and bring in a guy like Le'Veon Bell. And remember, his his uh, price tag goes down um, every week that he misses. Uh, by So at this point, you're talking about $3 million less, a little bit more if we're, we factor in something like next week too, um, close to $4 million less of a price tag. So, 
you know, if I'm an Eagle fan right now and I talk to one tonight, um, it was out of trivia and I was talking to a, a buddy. I said, what do you think of uh, Le'Veon Bell? I was like, well, we'll, we'll take him. We will take him yeah, right yeah. now. And, right. and uh, if this was, if the rules were reversed and this was the Steelers getting a guy of that, that could possibly trade for a guy of that caliber, we're crying for it. Look, we're Pirate fans too. And uh, we've ta- you and I have talked about the Chris Archer trade before. And, you know, at the time when they were going to give up a guy like Austin Meadows and, uh, and Glass now and uh, Boggs ended up being, I mean, that was a huge haul. But that's a guy that could turn your pitching staff around. He started off poorly but ended the last few starts pretty good. And it's looking bright for 2019 for that team. And if I'm a team like the Eagles, I'm thinking about it. Could we bring him in? Could we sign him? They know exactly what they would need to do to sign him. I mean, I think uh, I think you go ahead and uh, pull that trigger. But with that being said, we're going to have to wrap things up here. So uh, your opinion, Tony, on the whole roller coaster or elevator, where do we go from here? Is it an elevator I'm... to the deluxe apartment in the Sky II, or is are we uh, – or we on that rural that uh, the OJ's in the roller coaster of love, or actually the mm-hmm. uh, Ohio players. Sorry. Well, I'm going to say elevator because look who they're playing next week. They're playing the Bengals in Cincinnati. They're home away from home, and this is perfect. I mean, uh, the Bengals have been living on on the edge uh, recently. So what are they? they're four and one, but they're due for a, for a, a bit of a fall, and the Steelers just have this 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 spell over them. They're like, like, like I, I've said a couple of times, they're, they're the, the, the Steelers and the Steelers are the Patriots, basically. It's like that no matter what's going on between the two teams, uh, the Steelers always find a way to win. And, and I look for that to happen next week. And I look for them to go 3-2-1 uh, and, and did the bye. How do they beat Cincinnati? How do they beat Cincinnati? They, well, what I do mean, they, they need they to have, do to beat Cincinnati? They have to do what they did yesterday. They have to get after. They have to get after Andy Dalton first and foremost. They have to. They 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 can't let him sit back in the pocket. That to me, that's the key. You have to keep doing what you've been doing. You have to set the tone on on defense, and and and, and you have to you have to put uh, Joe Hayden on AJ Green, and and have him do what he did. To, I mean, it's easier said than done. But that's how that's how you start. You you have to. Uh, they have a great front seven, obviously. You have to keep Ben clean. It's, it's probably not going to be a, a, a an easy game. There's no way it's going to be. An easy, it's going to be a, like it always is. It's going to be a back and forth affair, and you have to keep it close going into the fourth quarter. And that's that seems to be when the Steelers' magic over the over the Bengals takes place is late in the fourth quarter. So that's that's how you beat them. You keep it close, and you pull it out at the end. The guy we need to watch once again is Joe Hayden. On AJ Green, we saw him do it last year. You know, we saw him do it to uh, Julio Jones just yesterday. And if that's the case, I'm going to say Steelers 28, Bengals 24. And I agree with you. Go for the victory. You're three, two, and one. At that point, you'll be a half game behind Cincinnati. But uh, you have that head-to-head, and those two wins in a row would really jumpstart your season. So as far as everything goes, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling that the roller coaster has uh, has run out, and it's just the elevator, and take it all the way to the sky, and I think this team can do it. So thank you, Tony, once again. appreciate all your efforts and all your insight. Well, thank you too, Brian. It was, a, it was a fun show, and it was a satisfying show, just like yesterday's game was a satisfying win. Okay, for Tony Defio and BehindTheSteelCurtain.com for all your Steeler needs, I'm Brian Anthony Davis, and you've just been hungover with BTFC. Good night. Sally Beauty's new all-in-one hair color kits make it easy to color your hair at home. Get everything you need to color for beautifully radiant results. Loved by professionals, open to everyone. Sally Beauty. 
Hello, you're listening to Simone de Rochefort, one of the hosts of The Polygon Show. It's a show all about the video games that you'll never have time to play, brought to you by four friends who are just as passionate about food, soft drinks, and TV shows as we are about video games. Every Friday, we bring you a new hour of personal stories, like how we found the best way to play Yakuza 0, or even what happens when you play so much Zelda that you hurt your hands and can't play games anymore. Above all, we just have a really good time talking about the games that we love. Check out the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. You can also find us at Polygon Show on Twitter and send a tweet to say hi. Thanks for listening.